So we've been um, working through the book of Psalms together, um, highlighting different types of Psalms kind of as we go. Um, I hope that you've seen that uh, uh, the book of Psalms uh, is, is a, a very rich book that has many, many different types of Psalms for every occasion. And the one we're looking at this morning is Psalm 136. And this is a Psalm of Thanksgiving, a Psalm meant to be sung um, when God has done a mighty deed in our life and to give thanks to him. And it's actually meant to be uh, used um, by, uh, by a congregation together as a call and response. Um, if you look at it, um, it has this refrain that repeats over and over, his love endures forever. And um, if you've uh, been paying any kind of attention, you can probably guess what that word love is. It's hesed, right? Um, it's God's faithful covenant love, his love he has for his people that endures forever. So I want us to do this psalm as a call and response together right now. My part will be, uh, will, will be all the different stuff, and your part will be his love endures forever. So even if you're not looking at it, when I stop talking, you can just say, his love endures forever. Hear now the word of our Lord. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. Give thanks to the God of gods. Give thanks to the Lord of lords. To him who alone does great wonders. Who by his understanding made the heavens. Who spread out the earth upon the waters. Who made the great lights the sun to govern the day, the moon and the stars to govern the night, to him who struck down the firstborn of Egypt and brought Israel out from among them with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm, to him who divided the Red Sea asunder, and brought Israel through the midst of it. But swept Pharaoh and his army into the Red Sea. To him who led his people through the desert. Who struck down great kings. And killed mighty kings. Sion, king of the Amorites. And Og, king of Bashan, and gave their land as an inheritance, an inheritance to his servant Israel, to the one who remembered us in our low estate, and freed us from our enemies. And who gives food to every creature. Give thanks to the God of heaven. 
His love endures forever. This is the word of God. May it find its way into our hearts and lives this morning by the power of his Holy Spirit. Amen. So there's a story about a famous rabbi named uh, Belshem Tov, and uh, he had this practice once a year on a, on a certain day. He would go um, into uh, the forest, and there was this certain spot that he knew to be a holy spot. And there was a, there, there was a, a certain place where he would light a fire, and um, he had certain words that he would pray over the fire. And, uh, and he taught his disciples to do the same. Well, within a generation, um, uh, th- this group of disciples on, on the certain day, uh, they would go to a certain spot and they would pray to certain prayer, uh, but they no longer lit the fire because they, re- they had forgotten where and how he had done it. A generation after that, uh, the disciples uh, on the certain day went to a certain spot in the forest, but they no longer lit the fire and they no longer said the prayer because they had forgotten the exact words that the rabbi, rabbi had taught them. And, uh, and so now they just they, they felt it was enough to be in this holy place in the forest. Well, after a generation, um, the disciples had forgotten uh, what place and in what forest. A generation after that, they had forgotten which day they were supposed to do it. And so they, they were no longer able to meet on a certain day. They were no longer able to go to a certain spot in the forest. They were no longer able to, to, to light the fire in a certain way and say a certain prayer. But all was not lost because they were still able to gather together and tell the story. They're still able to gather together and tell the story. See, long after we have the details, long after we have um, uh, the, the evidence, right, we still have the story, don't we? Think about our own lives, the, the stories that have been passed down through our families, we, we no longer um, know exactly where some of them occurred. We no longer um, have the, uh, the, um, the first eyewitnesses. But we still have the story, and we still tell them, and we still pass them on. Stories are powerful things. They keep the memory alive. See, the events of the Exodus, which we spent last year sort of going through and which this psalm we just read uh, recounts. The events of the Exodus have been lost to history. If you go back um, to uh, the, the, the writings of the Egyptians, you'll find no mention of a group of people called the Hebrews. Uh, you, you'll find um, no mention of, of, of Pharaoh uh, and his army being drowned in the Red Sea. Those events have been lost to history. Archaeologists going out into the Sinai wilderness looking for evidence of a nation, 
passing through for 40 years on their way to the promised land. Uh, they've been scouring, looking for, uh, for, for pieces of pottery, tent pegs, anything. You haven't been able to find it. Uh, there's no record um, in, in the writings of the Canaanites of, uh, of the Battle of Jericho. Uh, they can't find where the wall fell or even the site where the original Jericho probably existed because cities move and get renamed and get renamed and get renamed. But we gather this morning because we have the story. Story is a powerful thing, doesn't it? It keeps the memory alive. Now, there's a saying in archaeology. Um, uh, it goes like this: um, uh, absence of evidence is not evidence of absence. And here's what that means: just because you can't find a pot, a piece of pottery, or a tent peg, doesn't mean it didn't happen, right? The fact is, time is unkind, right? Every year, there's an inch of sand laying in the Sinai wilderness. And over thousands of years, all that stuff is buried. Ever been like at the, at the back of, of like a graveyard, like the old part where all the old stones, and, and maybe you see one like laying on the ground. And, uh, and, and, you, and you look at this stone and, and the writing is kind of worn out. You can see like the, the ridges where writing was, but you can't really make up what the person's name was and what the dates were. That tombstone is probably 150 years old. And a thousand years, would anyone happening on that stone even know there was anything remarkable about it? Or would it just be another rock lying in the grass? Time and weather and wind and sand, it's so unkind. 4,000 years of, of Sinai sand has buried all evidence of God's deeds, wiped it from memory, and yet we have the story. And the story, the telling of the story, keeps it alive. History is quick to forget the deeds of God. But so are we. We're quick to forget the deeds of God. It's like, um, well... If you're on your Facebook feed, those of you that have Facebook, there's this new thing that they do. Um, it's called your Facebook memory. And usually in the morning, like one of the top things on your feed will be this memory, right? From three years ago or from four years ago, from five years ago. And it, it's something you posted that some dark algorithm decided to, uh, to, to bring back to, to your memory today. I love, I love this feature. There's a lot of things I hate about Facebook, but I love this. It's like this daily reminder of something amazing that happened, right? Um, it'll be uh, something cute and profound that Nora said that I had to rush out and tell the world, world, my daughter said this, right? 
and or or, or a video of uh, of 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 William uh, singing, you know, um, in the kitchen making up a song, or or Savannah at Disney World with her pudgy belly and her her fanny pack, right? And and Facebook will call it to mind, and I'll go, huh? I'd forgotten about that, right? Now at the time, for whatever reason. I decided I have to memorialize this, right? This thing she said, it's just too cute. I have to let everyone know about it, and I have to write it down so it, you know, it's remembered for all time. Dear Internet, right? But it gets buried in our Facebook feeds, doesn't it? Other things happen, and other things happen, and other things happen. They go, look, here's a, a, a cat playing a piano, right? And, uh, and they get buried, and they get pushed down, right? And you just kind of forget about them. We do these things in our own minds too, right? God does these amazing things for us. And we think, I'm never going to forget about this, right? The answered prayer, um, the, uh, the, the, the word of wisdom that someone spoke to you just when you needed to hear it. The, the coincidence is too coincidency to be a coincidence, right? That thing. Uh, um, uh, you think, I am never going to forget this. The mountaintop experience. I'm going to cherish this forever. And then it gets buried. An inch of sand here, an inch of sand there. And pretty soon... It's forgotten. Pretty soon, it's forgotten. So I was going to this local pastor school thing this week, and I was calling up the guy. His name's Al Shaver, who's in charge of it. And I was like, what do I need to bring? And um, he gave me a big list of things. And at the end, he said, bring your hymnal, um, because, uh, because we're going to teach you how to use it. And I was thinking... Teach me how to use it. Someone says, turn to page 78, and I turn to page 78. That's how you use it, right? We need a whole class about that. But the more I thought about it, if I were coming to, like, you know, deciding to be a Methodist pastor and I'd come from a Baptist tradition, this book might not make a lot of sense to me, right? The way it's arranged. Like, what's all this stuff in the front about communion and baptism, um, you know, why are the hymns arranged the way they're arranged? Um, what are these responsive readings in the back? These indexes, are, are these here to help me? Um, you know, it, it might actually be kind of complicated to someone that hasn't used it all their life. But this one, especially the red one, sorry, uh, it, it is just it's second nature to me because I've grown up with it. And I, I kind of know it backwards and forwards. Uh, some of you know the Brown Cokesbury book that way. It's always been your book. Um, you know, if I mention a hymn um, and, and I'm texting to Marjorie and saying, can we do this hymn on Sunday just this week? She said, can we do it in the Cokesbury? I think it's, and then from her memory, she was able to tell me, you know, what number, the hymn number. She's like, I think it's 43. And I looked at 43, and it was 43, right? She was right. She knows that book backwards and forwards, right? These hymnals 
are our books. We instinctively know which songs we sing on which occasions and why. I bring that up because the Hebrew people have a hymn book too. It's the book we've been reading, the book of Psalms. When they, uh, when, when they gather and worship together, even today in synagogues, what they're singing is the book of Psalms in Hebrew. And, 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 and they know it backwards and forwards. And they know which songs are supposed to be sung on which occasions. And that can be a great help to us. I went back um, this week and I learned about this Psalm 136. When are you supposed to sing it? And it's fascinating, really. Psalm 136 is, is called the Hallel Haggadol. You don't have to remember that. But what it means is this. The big Hallel, the great Hallel, or the big praise, right? This is the big one. This is the firework you save for the end, right? Um, the, the Hallel Haggadol, the big praise, is, uh, is, is meant to be sort of a climax in worship service. It's that one you build up to. And, um, and, and there's, there's two times especially that you're supposed to sing this song. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His love endures forever. There's two times specifically. One is at the very end of the Passover meal. When you've had your um, four glasses of wine, your fill of lamb, all that bread, and you're leaning back and saying, that was a good meal, right? Then you sing this song, right? Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His love endures forever. This is the big one. And then there's another tradition when you're supposed to sing this song. At the end of a famine, at the end of a drought, when you've been fasting. So you've been, you've been fasting through this drought, and on, on the morning that it finally rains, right, you break your fast, and after you've had that big celebratory meal, you sing the song, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, his love endures forever, right? When you're satisfied, when you're like, it doesn't get better than this, God is good, you mark it, you mark it with the big praise, the big one, hopefully so that it's fixed in your memory. Because this song, this song reminds us that even though we forget, even though we forget God's deeds, God doesn't forget us. Right? God doesn't forget us. His love endures forever. The, the song opens by talking about how God was at work in creation. But it doesn't end there. Some people feel like God created the world and then he laid back and he, he forgot about us. But that's not how the song goes. Then we were slaves in Egypt. Then, uh, then God sent the plague. Then, uh, then God uh, delivered us. Uh, then um, God uh, brought kings down before us, right? Every time there was something in our way, every time we said, how can we possibly get through this? God came through because his love 
endures forever. His love endures forever. This song reminds us that even though we forget, God doesn't. God always has us on his mind. His faithfulness is forever. But we forget, don't we? We just let um, the layers of sand build up on top of God's deeds. And we're not able to bring them to mind. When we come together and we worship, that is an act of remembrance. My dad's a pastor and I grew up and he would put it this way. He would say, um, the opposite of remember is not forget. The opposite of remember is dismember, right? See, when we come together, we're the body of Christ. When we go out into the world, we're kind of dismembered, right? The body's kind of scattered. And then when we come back together, we're remembered. We're here together and we're telling the story. And we tell the stories that have have been buried in the Sinai desert. And we also tell the stories, we tell the testimonies that have been buried on our Facebook feed, right? We keep those stories alive. We tell what the Lord has done in our lives. We remember. Easy to forget, isn't it? The other day, I was on my computer I was looking at Facebook, and I had a Facebook memory from uh, three years ago. I looked at this Facebook memory from three years ago, and, um, and, and it, it was something Crystal had posted, and it was, um, our prayers are answered, daddy's in remission. Now, six years ago, we learned um, that, uh, that Crystal's dad was sick. And we were told he had three years to live. Three years ago, right, at that three-year mark, we were told uh, he's not going to make it till Christmas. Everyone prayed. Everyone prayed. He went to his appointment, and he was in full remission. God gave us another three years. God gave us twice the time we were supposed to have. Three more years to make memories. Three more years to say our goodbyes properly. Three more years without which my son who adores his papa probably wouldn't have memories of him. Without those three years. It was a miracle. That night, everyone was calling each other. They were crying. Can you believe this happened? This is so wonderful. We're never going to forget it. And the next day, you go on with your life. And I'd forgotten all about it. Facebook had to remind me. Some algorithm in a computer somewhere had to dig it back up and say, look at this. Look at what God did for you. I wonder how many of us have those kinds of events in our lives that have been buried in our memory. 
that we, we've not called up and marked and said, look what God did for us. I wonder how often we go back and, and we excavate those things from the sand and, and we bring them to mind and we say, hey, everybody, look at this. Look at what God did for me. Quick to forget, aren't we? But in the night in which he was betrayed, Jesus brought his disciples together. He broke bread with them. He blessed his cup. And he said, as often as you do this, do it in remembrance of me. And by the way, for those first Christians, as often as they did this was every time they got together, right? They always had that cup and they had that bread. And every time they were together, they remembered Jesus. They told the story of the gospel. They kept the story alive. And then they testified to one another what Jesus has done in my life today. It's pretty cool. Want to hear something even cooler? That same night, the gospels tell us the disciples got done eating. They were going to the Mount of Olives, but first, they sang a hymn. What did they sing? Must have been something from the Hebrew hymnal. Must have been the one they were supposed to sing after that satisfying Passover meal. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. Give thanks to the God of gods. His love endures forever. Give Thanks to the Lord of Lords, his love endures forever. You think that song was still ringing in their ears that night? It's pretty catchy, all that repetition. You think that phrase was still on their minds, his love endures forever? When the disciples were, were sitting by the campfire, Jesus told them to stay awake. He said, stay awake. And they had just drank like four or five glasses of wine and had their fill of meat and bread and their eyes were getting heavy like some of y'all's eyes are getting heavy right now, right? And they said, he said, stay awake. And I wonder if as they were drifting off, they were thinking of those words, his love endures forever. I wonder if, if when Jesus was, uh, was praying in the garden that night and he, had to, he, had to, he was sweating the blood, he was saying, Father, let this cup pass from me. How can I possibly, possibly endure what you're asking me to go through? I wonder if, if, if that chorus was in his head, his love endures forever. And then when they got back together and, and the people came to arrest him, and one of his closest friends marched right up to him, kissed him on the cheek and stabbed him in the back. And he saw just how short and how finite a human being's love can be. I wonder if that chorus was in his head saying, His love, his love endures forever. And when they brought him before Pilate and before Herod and before the Sanhedrin, and people made up all kinds of lies about him and they charged him a blasphemy, blasphemy against his own father, they charged him. And he was thinking, how can I possibly go through this? 
His love endures forever. And then when they brought him out to the court and, 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 and they stripped him and they whipped him over and over with this, with this the, the cat of nine tails and people spat on him and they hurled all kinds of insults against him and they put that crown of thorns on his head and he endured it for us. Was it in his mind? Was he thinking his love endures forever? And then when they brought him in front of the crowd, the crowd that just a week ago, they'd been waving palm branches, saying, Hosanna in the highest, blessing is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And now their fists are in the air, torches are in the air, and they're saying, crucify him. Was he thinking of his father's enduring love when he went through that? When he carried the cross up the hill? When he felt the iron nails go through his flesh, was he thinking of his father's enduring love? When they nailed him to the cross and lifting him up, did that kill the song? Do you think that killed the song? Surely he was thinking of his father's enduring love when he looked down on this, 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 this mob of, of, of cowards and, and traitors and thugs and said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Well, when he looked to his side, he must have been thinking of his father's enduring love when he looked that thief in the eye. And he said, surely this day you will be with me in paradise. He must have been thinking of his father's enduring love when he looked up into heaven and said, Father, into your hands I commend my spirit. Give thanks to the Lord of lords. His love endures forever. He did all of that for us. And you know what? It could have stayed buried in our memories. One inch of dirt after the other. Could have buried that deed of love forever. If it were not for one thing. Three days later, the stone rolled away. Three days later, Jesus came out. The one who is his God's enduring love made flesh. He came out because his love endures forever. And now he is alive. He is in our hearts. And whatever we go through, uh, no, no matter how bad it seems, no, no, no matter how, how difficult the road looks, We're able to look back and see what God has done and say his love endures forever. We're able to look to our side and see Jesus walking by us and know his love endures forever. And we're able to look ahead. We're able to look ahead and fear nothing because his love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. I like that response, but that's not what I was looking for. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. Give thanks to the God of gods. Give thanks to the Lord of lords. His love endures forever.
In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.